You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Two guests this week for a conversation on women's softball and the explosion of the Women's College World Series as a viewership property. My guests are broadcasters Beth Mowens, who's been the voice of uh, women's college softball at ESPN for three decades now, and Michelle Smith, the two-time gold medalist for the United States and the lead softball analyst for ESPN for two decades. We get into the evolution of the sport, challenges for a broadcaster covering the Women's College World Series, uh, what... um, what they think of the idea of putting the finals on ABC, if that can happen, and just the evolution, really, of uh, of this event and what it was like uh, for the production, you know, 15, 20 years ago, and what it is now, a production that has drones and, like, just crazy graphics and, and analytics. Um, it has really, really come a long way, and it is a great television sport, and that is the reason why you see viewership numbers uh, close to two million viewers. So Beth Mowens and Michelle Smith coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. As always, if you like this podcast, leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That is how this podcast continues. All right. Without further ado, Beth Mowens and Michelle Smith, both of ESPN, coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. All right. As I said at the top, um, I am uh, very excited to have these two Women on Beth Mounds has been on this podcast before. Very, very accomplished play-by-play voice in the NFL, college football, women's basketball, women's softball, um, and that list goes on. Michelle Smith is a two-time gold medalist for the United States in softball, um, one of the best women softball players in history, and she has been ESPN's lead analyst for that sport for more than two decades. You can hear... Both of these women, as well as Jessica Mendoza and Holly Rowe, game one of the Women's College World Series airs on ESPN and ESPN Plus Wednesday. So this pod comes, podcast comes out Tuesday. By then, you'll know who will be playing in that game. So game one is on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Game two is Thursday at 8 p.m. And then if there is a game three, that would be on Friday. And with all that, I'm pleased to be joined by Beth Mullins and Michelle Smith. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you, Richard. It's great to be here. Beth, do you know that uh, the last time I talked to Michelle, I think, was like in 2006? So this is a very exciting, uh, or maybe even in 2004 or something like that. So it's my first time talking to her in, in like 16 years. It's very, very rare for me not to have spoken to somebody uh, in between for that long. So I'm very excited to speak to her. She, she's, got, she's got a lot to catch up on then, Richard. She, she's been very busy since then. 
Yeah. Well, ex- <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Things of things of. Yeah. There's a thing called the internet now, Michelle. Have you heard of this? An email. It's. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I know. All right. So, <laughs> Michelle, I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, taking very, very big picture and understanding that you've done this for a long time. What's the biggest challenge for a broadcaster when it comes to covering um, uh, the Women's College World Series? Uh, I think the volume of information um, and then narrowing it down to what's compelling, because obviously, you know, we're here to document the game. We're here to educate the viewers. Uh, And so I think that just learning the nuances of what works when in the broadcast and um, and really do justice for what's actually happening on the field. And I'm I'm a kind of an X's and O type of analyst. I really love to dig into the numbers. I love to dig into the whys and why is a why is a pitching coach, you know, working this hitter a certain way? Why is a hitter making these uh, adjustments based on second at bat, third at bat versus what they saw in the first at bat? So I just I think it's narrowing down the volume of information, of stories, of everything that these student athletes have going on, these coaches have going on, and then funneling it into the broadcast, obviously with, you know, Beth, who does such a great job of directing traffic. And then with Jessica, our different perspectives as hitter, pitcher, pitcher, hitter, um, and and then just making the most compelling show possible uh, for the viewer. Same question for you, Beth. Yeah, I, I think um, the joy is both the the solitude of foraging for information, what I call it, and being able to build, you know, all our game boards. Fortunately, we, we have a chance. I think we saw five of the eight teams live during the regular season, and then we saw the other three uh, playing in the NCAA tournament. And then the um, sort of the juice, the adrenaline of being on site and mixing and mingling with the coaches and student athletes and, and just catching up on all the latest stories and, and jotting down, you know, what we think are pretty cool quotes that, that we can drop into games. And I think that the biggest challenge for me is I love to find like the best moments or the best spots to drop that kind of stuff in or to uh, pivot and sort of lead Michelle and Jessica into you know, the conversations that we have. And, and I, you know, one of my favorite parts is just the camaraderie and, and sort of busting each other's chops as, uh, and make it as entertaining and as fun as, as if we were on the couch at home with you. Beth, what number uh, WCWS is this for you? This will be 29. This is 29 this year. Next year's the big three up. Yeah, good job by ESPN PR research. I did have that. So when, when I say you have called... 29 of these what does that mean to you when i say that out loud you know i i think it's it's been one of the great um honors and and privileges of of my career it's cool when a kid shows up and we do our interviews before the tournament starts and they tell you we we've been listening to you guys you know since we were 10 years old and we decided that it was our dream to come play at the world series and then you've got players that are 10 years moved on from their championship and they come back and you run into them in a restaurant in town. And they're like, God, whenever we get together as a team, we love reminiscing about the championship and, and the calls that you guys had on our, our big game. So I think for every sportscaster, uh, you, you want to be at your best in the big moments. And, and hopefully we've been able to do that. And, and hopefully I've been able to, put a voice to all the amazing 
sights and sounds that our, our crew puts together whenever we're covering a championship, because it is a different type of environment than just a regular season game. It's something that lasts a lifetime. And Michelle, for you, it's number 19. Uh, you know, I was in and out a lot, uh, Richard, when I was playing professionally in Japan. So I, somewhere around 1920, I need to go back and actually look and be like, all right, when did I fly back from Japan? And when, did, when was I unable to? <laughs> Again, you know, I would say that um, for you, you know, if any, and Beth knows this for sure, any broadcaster who has done any, any analyst, I should say, who has done 19 of the sports most important finals, I mean, that, you know, that's a lottery ticket career. If had I said you, you know, let's say if you're in the NFL and you were the analyst for 19 Super Bowls, like people's head would spin. Um, <laughs> so in that sense, like you really, um, you know, you must feel that like, man, like I, I really sort of just landed in the right spot at the right time. Uh, and now look at the sport now. Yeah, absolutely. Very blessed to um, have seen the growth and, and hopefully be a part of that. You know, there was a time, Richard, when, I'm playing professionally in Japan and there really was nobody else that was an analyst or had the experience. So I would literally buy my own ticket, fly myself back to do three or four games. You know, this was at a time when not every pitch was, uh, was broadcast. So because I felt it was that important for our sport, for the growth of our sport to have somebody on there that had the experience. And so um, if I had the off weekend from my professional league, I would get permission from my team. I'd just be like, look, I got to go back for, for a week and I'd, I'd fly back. I'd do the broadcast with, uh, uh, with Beth and then I'd fly back over and finish up my um, first half of my professional season. So, you know, for a lot of it, for me, I'm always thinking about the game. What's next? What's next? What can we do? How can we continue to grow the game? Because there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of little girls out there that we want to see the game to have those dreams so that maybe someday they're playing here, just as, you know, Beth mentioned. For me, it's always big picture. How, what are we doing for our sport? And you have to look three years, five years, 10 years down the road for our sport to continue to grow. I think the big thing, Richard, is... Um, what we all appreciate is the pride that Michelle takes really in being a caretaker of the game. And in the, in, especially in this fast paced world where all, all we seem to care about is yesterday and today that the significance of perspective that Michelle can put into the telecast, uh, having been around for all 40 years of this tournament. And I think it's really cool watching all these women's sports now that have come about since title nine. And since the NCAA took over, we now have a history of the game, just like the guys do, that we can refer back to. And I just think it's cool. And we can have a conversation with Michelle and Jess in the booth. And we're comparing uh, Nigerie Kennedy's 75-mile-an-hour rise ball to Monica Abbott's 73-mile-per-hour uh, rise ball. And, and for those guys to have actually played against her or tried to hit off of her, and, and then you can drop in Elisa Fernandez and um, you know, I always have a lot of fun with the fans trying to drop in a Debbie Doom reference anytime I can. But I think that's one of the things that we take a lot of pride in as, as our crew and, and Jess and Holly have been around a long time, too, to, to take care of the game. Yeah, that's such a great point. Actually, I happen to be writing about this this week. Diana Tarazi said something really interesting about um, she was sort of saying that she wished more broadcasters would use um, – other women basketball comps when referring to current women's players. 
Yeah, it was like, you know, instead so instead of like saying Brianna Stewart is like Kevin Durant, which obviously is a massive compliment, you know, you reference somebody uh Brianna Stewart is like and you reference somebody like who played in the WNBA in the in the early 2000s or late 90s. So that's really interesting that you do that. Before I get into uh some sort of broadcasting stuff about this um tournament i want to ask you one thing michelle and again this would be like a podcast i could do with you for an hour because i'm asking you a very big question uh and then asking you to give a quick answer but can you just give my listeners a sense of like what it has been like for you to try to make a living uh post professional uh post your professional career you know you were if, if you were um if you had done what you had done let's say as a men's basketball player or a men's football player, like like there would be multiple jobs for you to go into after your softball career is over, let alone, by the way, playing in obviously a professional softball league for a lot of money. And like finances would not really have been an issue, but I really admired you because you have grinded away um, at a career um, in a sport where nothing is guaranteed. So how, how, again, I know it's really a broad question, but like how challenging has this been for you? Because I feel like you're a pioneer for the women softball players after you who probably will find more opportunities that you necessarily didn't have. Yeah, no, it's been difficult. I mean, it's definitely been patchwork and, um, you know, a lot of softball for me, obviously being a softball player is, uh, is a passion project and it's, you know, really isn't about like, Oh, this is going to make me rich. Cause it certainly isn't. So I would have to find ways to schedule in, Camps, clinics, um, make DVDs, you know, educational content, uh, you know, speaking engagement. So really, when you get to that elite level and you're playing a sport where you don't sign multi-million dollar contracts, you really have to look at um, fringe ways to to basically prop up your your in- income sources. And so for me, it has been within the sport. Sometimes it's uh, outside of the sport. You know, not being afraid to to jump into maybe a whole new industry that I'm not familiar with. Um, but I know that I work hard. I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to analyze the industry. I'm going to figure out a way to make it work and, and get it done. But, you know, I think for a lot of female athletes, unfortunately, that is the way of life, that, that it is tough. I mean, yes, you can have a, endorsements and stuff, but you probably need 10 endorsements to a male professional athletes, one endorsement in order to, uh, you know, basically, you pad the bank account. So, you know, for me, it was always like, I'm very blessed. I look at the opportunities and it's always, you take that kind of gratitude attitude. And then you realize that maybe the biggest paycheck is not the economic paycheck, but the paycheck of being able to give back to the sport and and inspire, you know, decades and decades of young girls so that they have the opportunities uh, to hopefully have a a better opportunity uh, in, in the future. I appreciate that answer. Uh, thank you. I, Beth, I, um, I, I was reading a couple of stories sort of in preparation for you guys coming on. And I saw something from, I think it was Jessica Mendoza who said this, where she was sort of talking about um, just how much more production resources exists now uh, for the Women's College World Series than even when she started. And I think she was like, one thing she specifically referenced was just like the number of production trucks that you guys have now yeah. versus you know whatever it was five ten years ago i mean you were literally there 30 years ago 29 years ago so i wondered as best you can can you sort of just give me an example from your end of like what it was like in the beginning and like what it's like now yeah 
So, so brief history, we started coming here, uh, my first year, 1994, uh, our production truck was kind of a, a VW bus, if you will. <laughs> and we, we would come in uh, to watch the semis and then the finals we would tape and it would run tape delayed because we had to chop it up and cut it down to get it into a two hour window. And then eventually we, st- we would pick up um, the semifinals and then it kind of grew from there. We would have a production truck and then we might have two production trucks to the point now where we have a compound and we have a commissary uh, where we can all go to eat. And I, I, I think that one of the things that I always marvel at is um, trying to remember where everybody is in the compound that you need to talk to. Graphics has its own truck. You know, the replay, replay guys and the people that produce all the packages have their own truck. And so I think that's the, the biggest thing is just the, um, you know, the hundreds of people now that show up here. I think my first year you could count us on, on one hand. So that kind of growth and that kind of commitment has been so special. Um, and you can just imagine how that impacts the coverage of the game to the point now where uh, we, we have a blimp and we have drones to give us uh, even yeah. better sights and sounds of the games. And now all the analytics that have taken over baseball, well, that's become a huge part of our sport as well. And I think that all of that has helped the game um, not only grow across the country, and, but now we're starting to see more and more parity. Obviously, Oklahoma has been a, a step above everybody else the last several years, but just the different teams now that show up uh, based on all this new information that, that we can gather and we can share with the fans at home. Uh, Michelle, Beth knows from her multitudes of broadcasting, and certainly when it comes to the NFL, the importance of getting to know your on-air people off the air, because that's ultimately where the chemistry exists and then naturally if you enjoy someone's company off air um the viewer i think can sort of see that through the screen um when you're on air it seems very clear that you beth holly and jessica like enjoy each other's company you've now been there together for many many years like did this was this instant in terms of a connection or did it take some um hanging out uh, you know, away from uh, away from broadcast to sort of find that chemistry. Yeah, I think like anything in life, you the more you get to know people, um, it, it, it happens through spending time with them and quality time. It's not always a work environment. And I think that, you know, they're my they're my team sisters. They're my broadcast sisters. And, you know, they love and are passionate about the sport as much as Jess and I are, who, you know, we're members of the sport and Beth played the sport, obviously, um, you know, growing up and and Holly just, you know, truly loves the sport. She'll go visit softball teams, even while she's covering a, you know, a football uh, team in, in the fall. So I think, I think the big thing for all of us is that the, we're committed um, and that we do enjoy each other's company. We'll get together and watch um, the games that are going on uh, with the other bro- broadcast crew. And I think that's probably safe to say for the majority of the people here for ESPN. I mean, we're a team of 200 strong. We talk about the eight teams that are here competing for the championship, but Team ESPN, we're very blessed. And we've got great people that want to be at this event, that that hope to be at this event. It's a goal as a ESPN employee to be a member of the Women's College World Series team. And because of that, everybody works really hard and the hours are just long and grinding. But 
everyone loves it. Their smiles, like Beth mentioned, when we all get together in the commissary or the, you know, the food tent and you just are the highs to everybody. It's just, it, it really is a wonderful team. And, you know, for me, it's always been about team sports. It's always been about picking each other up. And when we share information, even in the booth, it doesn't really matter at times who comes up with the idea. It's just like, you know, verbalizing it and getting the most and telling the best story and, and really analyzing the game. I think because we all really care about each other on and off the field, it makes a difference. I think it, you can hear it in our voices. You can, we can razz on each other. I mean, I, the number of times that Beth Mullins has teased me about my mo, uh, mullet picture from uh, <laughs> my days back at Oklahoma state. I mean, you can't get enough of that. It's just, um, it's just good. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. <laughs> Beth, did you, uh, I know you obviously played basketball Lafayette and very, and uh, you know, one of the, that school's mm -hmm. uh, all timers. Did you play softball at all or, or I, uh, at, in college or just who I, I played soccer in the fall because I, I, we had a lot of fun and it was a great way to get in shape for basketball. Basketball was home for me. Um, and then softball, I love the sport and we had a really good coach and a really good pitching staff. So I, I played because we won and we had a lot of fun doing it. And so that's when I first kind of, you know, fell in love with the game. I was a big bat and ball fan. I, I grew up on the Yankees uh, in the old Bronx Zoo days. So that was a natural uh, progression for me. And then I just love to call the game and, you know, the pace of play in softball is, has always been so good. So that's, that's kind of where that came from. And then I, I, I think what, what makes our chemistry so good is just, we, we treat it like it's, it's our team and those are our teammates. And, and I've always prided myself, you know, in, in, in having a lot of fun and um, you know, being self-deprecating and um, sort of pulling out all the, the things that not only bring us together, Richard, but every one of us on this crew brings a little something different to the table. And I think the, uh, the respect that we have for each other to explore their own avenues while also um, having it mesh into one uh, sort of seamless conversational broadcast is, uh, is one of the, the joys that I have day in and day out. You know, Beth, one of the things um, that, has always been the case with women's softball. I know you know this. Um, I think there's far more people who sort of understand and see it now is that the game really is made for television. You mentioned pace of play. It's a quick game. There's a lot of action. Uh, there it's, um, it's shorter in terms of innings than baseball and baseball, obviously major league baseball now has seen probably its best PR in maybe decades, given the the changes to decrease the time. Um, I wonder for you, Beth, like you, you live this. So I think you saw like how good a television product this was and could be. And then I would say we're probably talking like within the last 10, 11, 12 years, like the viewership started like indicating that. And then ESPN programmers, like just, it's just sort of obvious. You had to take notice when you're seeing over a million you know, close to yeah. 2 million viewers, like watching something like if you ignore it, you know, then you're just essentially incompetent at your job. But I wonder for you, if I don't know, was there, were there times for you like 20, 25 years ago where you're like, I know this could be a great television sport. I'm just waiting for the rest of the world to catch up to it. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly true. Um, you know, we, we like to say um, there are two kinds of people in this world, Richard, the, the ones who love soft 
football and the ones who just don't know it yet. So I, I think that what we've been able to do now is kind of force the folks, I think, you know, in-house to take notice because the ratings continue to grow. And as they should, they have responded by getting more and more on television and expanding now, you know, more games on the ABC. And I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because this is our mission right now um, is to institute the pitch timer um, because our advantage and the allure of softball was always the pace of play and the bang, bang action in a two hour window. And we've dangerously drifted closer to three hours. And with what's happened in major league baseball, uh, we, we just can't have a nine inning baseball game. That's shorter than a seven inning softball game. And it's an easy fix. So we're really uh, trying to impress upon the coaches, the, the NCAA um, rules committee is, is on board to try and cut through a lot of the red tape to make sure this gets done. Um, but the pitch timer is necessary to keep the pitchers in the circle and keep the batters in the batter's box and get rid of all that wasted time between pitches that Major League Baseball has now proven. Not only it can be done, but the fans are demanding it. And, and I think that would bring softball back to that two-hour window, which is so important because the programmers could schedule three or four games a day as opposed to just two games right. a day. And that's what we all want to see is more softball. Michelle, um, how do you feel about the um, site of the World Series being constant and neutral as opposed to, and again, there would be certainly travel considerations, program considerations, but as opposed to doing some kind of home, home, home kind of setup? Yeah, you know, I, I think Oklahoma City has invested a lot with USA Softball to try to upgrade the, uh, you know, the stadium. The problem with our sport is that, and Beth has heard me kind of chirp about this quite a bit as of like the last four years, <laughs> we, we, need, we need more community stadiums. We can't fit into um, a baseball stadium and we shouldn't because then that baseball stadium is converted right back to a baseball stadium instead of a softball stadium. We need communities in this country to step up and build stadiums that seat anywhere from from you know five to ten thousand people, maybe expandable to fifteen to twenty for large events like this. But uh, you know th that's what I see when I'm looking at five and ten year plans for our sport. That we need communities. Think about all the travel teams, the collegiate teams that come in, and the economic impact that provides to these communities. That money needs to be reinvested back into our sport. And you know, running a small hotel, I learned a lot about you know, bed tax and all these different things that that really prop up local economies. Well, that money needs to then come back. We need for to ask for it to then come back and be invested into our sport in the form of facilities. And so right now there's nobody else really than uh, Oklahoma City that has a stadium that can that, that can seat the number of people that want to watch this event. So for me, this is really one of the next big things that we have to think about in the next five to 10 years for growth of our sport. Um, I would love to see it, uh, you know, in, in different areas, but I, I think that right now we don't really have an option. I mean, we, we are here and um, it, it's, uh, it's going to be here for a while. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. I want to stay with you, Michelle, and then Beth, if you can follow, uh, I'd appreciate that. Oklahoma, obviously, is going for uh, three state titles, uh, three straight titles. What did I say state titles? Three straight titles. Um, they, as we tape this, they're 58-1, and one, um, and uh, with a 50-consecutive game, game winning streak. Do I have my numbers correct there as of where talking today, yep. June 5th yep. in the morning? Okay. Um, so, Michelle, to me— uh, having covered UConn women's basketball for many, many years at Sports Illustrated, I, I think dynasties are fantastic for sports. I think they're fantastic for the sport itself. They're fantastic for television. They get, I think, other programs. Um, they incentivize other programs to try to catch whoever the dynasty is. So I think that's good for the sport. And I think casual fans can relate to these super teams um, beyond the hardcore fans who are going to watch the sport anyway. So that's my long-winded uh, intro to ask you, what do you think of Oklahoma in relation to what it means for the sport? Well, I think that Patty Yasso and company do a great, com- uh, a great job of always continuing to push and get better and figure out a way uh, to be the lead leader of the pack. And so, yes, you're right. The rest of the uh, teams need to figure out how to uh, step up and, and how to be able to compete with Oklahoma. And so far, we've, we've only seen a handful of teams that are, are capable of doing that. I do think it's different grounds nowadays with the transfer portal and NIL that's going to make it difficult at times to, to level the playing field because, you know, if you're an elite athlete and you're, you, you've had a great year in mid-major, or let's say a, a big 10 school, and you're like, oh, I'm never going to be able to compete for a national championship. It's going to be very easy to jump into the portal and then, uh, you know, figure out a way to, to get, Patty Gasso's eye. And then there you go. You're, you know, possibly playing for a national championship next year. So I I don't, I I am a little worried that the rich keep getting richer um, for our sport, but I do feel like the attention that they bring to softball, the way that they continue to drive analytics, the athletes, uh, you know, the performance levels is a good thing, but everybody else needs to catch up and we need to just figure out a way so that we have you know, compelling games that people want to watch. I, f- I feel like the blowout games, people after a four or five run lead, maybe they're turning channels or they're keeping one eyeball on this and one eyeball on the other instead of being truly invested into a game um, that will keep people's uh, attention over that two, two hour time frame. How do you see it, Beth, in terms of maybe you can take the what is it? What is how do you view a? Because you obviously called many UConn games, but how do you view a dynastic team in relation to its value when it comes to television viewership, programming, et cetera? Yeah, you know, I I, I will draw on the, the basketball comparisons because you know talking with Gino and and talking with with Pat Summit when she was still alive uh, and dealing with sort of the backlash of this kind of success that Patty Gasso and and Oklahoma are having. I think people love to watch greatness and the pursuit of excellence and the pursuit of history, which this Oklahoma dynasty embodies all of that. But they also love to watch greatness get toppled. And they also want an underdog to root for, to see if anybody can take them down. And I think it was the case, you know, with Anson Dorrance at North Carolina soccer and with John Wooden at UCLA at, 
you, you don't want to deny or disparage people that are putting in the effort to be great and to do things. You know, you watch how uh, the, the great UConn teams used to just move the ball around and just run up and down the floor and, you know, hardly make a misstep. It was poetic to watch. And I think there is a, uh, an attraction to Oklahoma softball when they play like that. Anybody in the lineup can get you. Um, and there is also sort of a fatigue from other people that are just dying to see somebody come in and give them a run for their money. I think that was part of the attraction of JMU here a couple of years ago with Odyssey Alexander. Uh, part of the attraction of, you know, they have lost games here uh, during this run. And uh, Florida State handed them a loss in the championship series uh, a couple of years ago. So uh, that that's what we hope for as broadcasters. You know, we want we want close games. We want drama. It doesn't matter which way it goes. But I, I think from the average fan perspective, that's what you're hoping for. Yeah, well said. Uh, I always whenever I think of somebody upsetting somebody, I, I, I always have Morgan Willem. Uh, Beth in my, yep. my head that <laughs> shot, uh, to top of UConn. Um, all right, a couple more here, and then I will let you guys uh, go back to your very busy lives. Uh, Michelle, um, you know, one of the, having talked to, to so many people in women's basketball about trying to get that sport a little more on the radar of the shoulder, the, the, I use this with a capital S, capital P, shoulder programming. Um, how have you, how, how much of a challenge have you found it to get women's softball to be talked about, whether on ESPN platforms or other platforms away from actual game coverage? Cause I always feel like that's the next step in the evolution of the sport is when like, you know, you'll hear this on like, uh, I don't want to say first take, but you know, you get, you get more sports center highlights or you get more people talking about it in radio, you get more coverage in uh on national newspapers as opposed to just a local paper covering a local team but i always feel like that's the next iteration of all this is when it goes beyond the game coverage and people start talking about it yeah 100 percent, richard i mean we, that's what we need that's the next really big step is that we need um and we we do we ask uh you know a lot of the espn shows where whenever they want to do an interview or you know we tape a you know, a, a hit like, Hey, coming up, it's not just about the game. Like let's take Nyjah Kennedy. And, um, I'd love for her first take, or, you know, one of the shows to break her down versus a Monica Abbott or Elisa Fernandez, you know, comparing, uh, the history of great athletes in our sport to who's playing right now. And, um, it, just like we do in men's sports and professional sports, you know, I think that you make it a more compelling case. And then other people that are the, um, you know, viewers are watching that and they're like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Maybe I'll tune into the game tonight. So I, I do think that the more that we can get coverage outside of just the game coverage is absolutely important because we're, then we're finding new viewers that are going to tune in, that are going to, you know, fall in love with the sport and 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 start to really pay attention. So I, I do feel like um, as we get more and more women within, uh, you know, production and in programming that, you know, we start saying, hey, you know, let, let's, let's talk about women's sports and, and maybe it's not just soft in general, but women's sports, that it's compelling. It's interesting. These are great stories. These are amazing female athletes. And uh, the more that we get people to pay attention, I think the more they're going to continue to watch and, and grow the sport. And for me, that's really what it's all about for, for us to have opportunities, just like we give the opportunities to the men's sports and to the amount of um, view, viewing time that, that people have to, whether or not it's baseball or hockey or basketball, whatever it is, that softball is, uh, is given that same opportunity to be able to 
for people to be educated on it and want to watch the sport. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Beth, let me finish up with you. Um, This was something I I did for a long time, quite frankly, intentionally to annoy the hell out of your bosses. (laughs) Um, And that was to um, really push hard uh, for the women's um, basketball title game to be on ABC. Because, you know, this wasn't any kind of genius take by me, but like, you always knew that if they could get that kind of coverage and that kind of free-to-air television, like the numbers would be there. What ended up happening this year, obviously, was in some ways a bit of a unicorn um, when LSU uh, beat Iowa and you know both those programs got so much attention. Obviously, Caitlin Clark got a ton of attention, and that final drew 9.9 million, which is just an incredible number. You know, that's the kind of number that a World Series game can do or whatever. My thought now at this point, having seen um, women's softball get some ABC programming, is that the next stage I feel like for this sport would be to get that final on ABC somehow. I know it's different. It's not a one-game thing. It's a three-game thing. But to me, if it somehow could get on ABC for the finals, that would feel like a game-changing moment because I think you would see your viewership go from, you know, whatever, 1.7, 1.8 million, possibly to like 4 million or something like that. And like then, then the whole conversation about the sport changes because now you're just, in terms of viewership, you know what I mean? You're just in a different stratosphere. Now that's the kind of viewership that like you see like a NASCAR race get or one of the golf finals for the PGA get. And so as the lead voice of the sport, I know you would want this, but you see any kind of momentum heading this way? Because to me, it would honestly feel like kind of a no-brainer kind of play. I I think one of the things that softball encounters um, that that the basketball tournament, for example, doesn't, and and they made moves in the schedule, the back end of the schedule in the final four so that they could find an ABC window. And obviously you're right, the one game is different than a best of three. What our situation has always been is we're we're, we're, uh, head-to-head with the NBA finals quite a bit. And so finding... Finding right. that window on ABC, I, I think we might they, they might have a game, uh, w- uh, one game during our championship series. But that that is certainly a discussion uh, in the softball world and and with our within house at ESPN is, you know, we just changed the schedule a couple of years ago. Will this be the best place for us on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Do we try and and move it up or move it back? And then then we're also running into the NCAA baseball cha- uh, championships on the road to the College World Series. So the windows, I think, at this time of year are a little challenging, but that is certainly the hope. And I think, once again, if the ratings continue to skyrocket, then then there would have to be an opportunity to find those windows during the during the week. Yeah, I'll be really interested, you know, obviously, because sort of a sports media nerd that I am, I'll, I'll be really interested to see how this particular viewership is, because you got a dynastic team in Oklahoma, you got pretty good window on ESPN, um, obviously, if it goes to three games, I shouldn't even presume Oklahoma's there, if they do get there, um, 
you know, obviously some of that would de- be determined on whether um, it's two games or three games. But again, I, it's uh, the sport's in a really, really good place for a viewership pop. And both of you should feel, I mean, just incredible. Like just the fact that like, you know, last year's game, uh, final game average, 1.7 million viewers. It peaked at 2.1. I mean, Beth, it's not so long ago, whatever it was, right? 19, 20 years ago, like you were not drawing those kind of numbers. So I, I just wonder for you as someone who's seen the whole evolution of this, um, not that a broadcaster should quote unquote take credit for uh, viewership declines or increases, but man, is it nice to be in the seat when when you see so many more people watching? It's, it's been very rewarding. And, you know, the, the folks that have been around this event for a long time, there, there is a you know, there's a there's a special glance that uh, when you pass somebody in the compound or a fist bump. Uh, yeah, you you remember the days when we didn't have all the bells and whistles that we do now, and and I think there there is a lot of pride for even the new folks that that come aboard. What this means to be on this team that puts all the pictures on the air and that gets all the audio right, and for us to find the right words and the right stories to tell is is one of the um, one of the things probably I'll, I, I hope to look back on one day with, with a real source of pride that, that we did have a hand in sort of the growth of the game and, and hopefully it's continued, um, continued growth. Yeah, you definitely did. Uh, Beth Mullins is the lead play-by-play voice for women's softball. Obviously, she also does NFL, college football, women's basketball, and uh you know who knows what's next on Beth's uh, announcing schedule. Michelle Smith is the lead voice or the lead analyst, I should say, for ESPN's women's softball coverage, and has uh, been for more than uh, two decades. I mean, Michelle, your career just really exploded after my, the profile I did of you way back in in the two thousand. So congratulations, <laughs> thank you, to, Richard. To, to that, I you know, <laughs> yes, things have really just gone great for you after uh, meeting me. Um, all right. Game one of the WCWS will air on ESPN and ESPN Plus on Wednesday. Game two, same time, ESPN, ESPN Plus, 8 p.m. on Thursday. And then if we do get a game three, um, it's Friday. Again, it's such a fun sport to watch. Um, and, uh, and ESPN, just like they've done with their women's basketball coverage, has absolutely landed gold with their broadcasting group who, like these women said on this podcast, you know, not only are they obviously very good at what they do, but they really like each other, and it's very obvious when you uh, when you watch the broadcast. Uh, Beth, Michelle, thank you so much for making some time. Have a great uh, next couple of days, and uh, and uh, thank you for coming on the uh, Sports Media Podcast. Thank you, thank you, Richard. We appreciate you having us and uh, talking softball. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to Michelle Smith and Beth Mullins for their time and insight. Check out the Women's College World Series. It's uh, it's a ton of fun to watch. It'll be on ESPN this week. Uh, you head to the archives. There should be some stuff that uh, that you like. We just had Rocket co-founder Caitlin Thompson on how we consume tennis in the United States and how that consumption can be better. Jeff Van Gundy, uh, ESPN's lead NBA analyst, was on um, seven days ago to talk about the finals and sort of how he does what he does did a, a podcast on the post lebron james content universe and what that might look like rolling stone's chief television critic alan Septenwall on writing about succession brian curtis and ben strauss on pat mcafee's move to espn endeavors president and ceo mark shapiro there should be stuff in the archives that uh, you'll like and appreciate it. i want to thank patrick anthony for all his hard work 
Thanks to everybody at Odyssey for their support. And, of course, thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media.